0: You are Locked on Rams, your daily Los Angeles Rams podcast, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Rams Nation, what's poppin'? As always, it is your boy, your host, Sosa Kermendzis, coming back to you with another episode of the Locked on Rams podcast, your number one daily podcast covering the Los Angeles Rams. As always, as you guys know by now, I am a fantasy analyst at Pro Football Focus and your host here of the Locked On Rams podcast. Today's episode is brought to you by Bilt Bar. Go to BiltBar.com and use the promo code LOCK15 and you'll get 15% off your next order. Welcome to your fresh Monday episode. Another fresh week here at the Locked On Rams pod. I appreciate you guys for checking back in with me for another strong five episodes that I got scheduled for you guys in this week's lineup. And I mean, we're gonna continue hammering this draft coverage because that is by far the biggest news that's gonna be surrounding the NFL and the Los Angeles Rams, obviously being a part of the NFL, probably for the next couple of months. We're looking at some of the undrafted free agents. A lot of the guys that the Rams did draft we're almost finally through the entire draft class with our in-depth scouting reports. I'm gonna cover two more guys today Ben Skoranek, the wide receiver from Notre Dame, and Jake Funk, the running back from Maryland. And on top of that, there's one more segment that I wanted to cover, and we are going to begin with it. And that was an interesting piece over at The Athletic, which I feel like I'm talking about every single week. One piece at The Athletic, which is kind of funny, but this one was written by Mike Sando, and basically he highlighted... Every single draft class in the NFL got some words from NFL executives unfiltered on the 32 draft classes talking about you know their ideas and their thoughts on these draft classes. And obviously, he got some information when it comes to the Rams draft class as well. And I thought it was very interesting, his little tidbits here. Now, this was sort of speculatory and it didn't seem like it was 100% you know, truthful or coming out of the Rams building necessarily. But one of the quotes that I thought was very interesting here was that he said, the Rams were among the teams sitting lower in the second round and wondering whether players such as pass rusher Aziz Ojulari and linebacker Jeremiah Owusu-Koromoa might reach them unexpectedly, resulting in a potential change of plans. Both players disappeared from the board before reaching the Rams, who did not pick until 57 after sending their first rounder to Jacksonville in the Jalen Ramsey deal. I thought that was very fascinating because obviously there was a lot of circumstance and you know question marks and a lot of uproar, it felt like with the Rams' ultimate first selection at number 57 when they took wide receiver from Louisville, 2-2 Atwell. We know that the Rams have one of the largest groups of wide receivers in the league, maybe the deepest among everyone in the NFL Obviously, we're talking about guys like Robert Woods, Cooper Cup. Then you got the newer style of receivers and Van Jefferson, who the Rams invested a lot in. They paid a decent chunk of money to Deshaun Jackson to come in and be that vertical threat, that deep threat. And then Tutu Atwell, they draft, once again, really high on a team that you know has some needs at certain positions inside linebacker like JOK is or edge rusher like Oju Lari is. Offensive line, obviously, was a big topic of discussion there throughout the draft week. But... The Rams elected to take a wide receiver five. Now, you know, I've talked about why I think Atwell fits this offense, fits the skills of what Matthew Stafford has and how those two I think are going to work very well. How, you know, Sean McVay, the head coach, is going to be able to utilize Atwell in more than just the wide receiver aspect of playing wide receiver, I think that, you know, a lot of those jet motions and things like that are going to help actually, you know, increase his value in the offense as opposed to just lining up and running routes and things like that. But I do think it's fascinating that the Rams were apparently one of the teams hoping that either of these players would fall. And the reason for that is because both Oju Lari and JOK were basically slotted as first rounders by everyone. JOK being one of the most athletic linebackers that we've seen coming out of college and you know, however many years, maybe compared to last year's Isaiah Simmons, who went in the top five coming out of Clemson and getting drafted by the Cardinals. You looked at his sideline to sideline ability. I felt like he would have been an absolutely huge steal and addition for the Rams on their second level of the defense. I think by far, he would have been the best linebacker on the team and it wouldn't have even been close. Now, talking about Oju Lari on the edge rusher spot, again, would have been, in my opinion, if not the best in day one, maybe the second best behind Leonard Floyd but you know within a year or two down the line i definitely think Oju Lari has a lot more of a ceiling and potential when it comes to being a pass rusher as opposed to a guy like Leonard Floyd because Oju Lari was one of the younger players in this draft class and has very advanced hand usage and pass rushing moves so i feel like he's a guy that you can pretty much depend on him you know being an impact player from day one at least as a pass rusher now why did both of these guys drop Again, as always, it's the medicals, the question marks surrounding their health statuses. Oju Lari, I believe was a degenerative knee issue, which was a big question mark. And JOK apparently kind of got screwed because he got flagged for a medical for his heart, which ended up being nothing. And it was just a little bit too late that he got cleared. And so he kind of got screwed for no reason, which is obviously super unfortunate because these guys are first round talents all day. And that's very disappointing. Now, One of the other quotes that Mike did get from an exec here on the Rams draft class said he moves the needle in terms of explosiveness and excitement. Talking about Tutu Atwell, there are a couple of guys in this draft class who are smaller and caught the ball as good or better than many of these small guys I've seen in the past. Tutu was one of those guys. He adds an explosiveness that maybe they would not have added if they still had Jared Goff. In my opinion, the fact that they have Matt Stafford who can really stretch the field helps them maximize the threat here. You know, that makes a lot of sense. And one of the last quotes here again, if you look at Robert Rochelle, maybe, but I don't think you can bet on him to be more than a backup. This evaluator said, I don't see a guy that jumps out as a good starter. They have had good drafts, they found some guys, but I don't think this group really shows it talking about the entire draft class. So, very interesting to see that, you know, these unnamed, unsourced sources are talking about how this draft class was disappointing. I feel like it kind of echoes a lot of what the fans were saying after that draft class. But again, this is a team that knows what they want in their guys. And not only that, but they didn't have a first round pick. So you have to take that into account. You have to realize why they don't have a first round pick. And that's because they traded it for the best cornerback in football right now. So essentially, Jalen Ramsey has to be a part of the last two draft classes as a first round pick. And when you look at what the Jaguars got in replacement of Jalen Ramsey with those two first round picks... Kayla Von chase on a subpar edge rusher who had a bad and disappointing rookie season and Travis Etienne the running back they just drafted from Clemson arguably the least valuable position on a football field that's what they got for trading the number one corner in football which is arguably the most important position outside of quarterback and when you talk about it like that when you put the context in line with what really happened I feel like it really goes to show that, you know, maybe sometimes these picks are overrated. Sometimes we do realize that not all players hit and not every first round pick is destined to be a superstar. And sometimes it is better to just take the safe bet as opposed to the big gamble. And I feel like the Rams really came out on top of that in terms of the trade there with the Jaguars. But not only that, it really goes to show that, you know, their strategy of actually trading these picks for proven veterans and finding impact rookies in the later rounds makes a lot more sense than maybe... It does on the surface when these draft classes are finalized after draft weekend in every said year. And I'm glad we got to finish off on the draft classes because in the next segment, we're going to dive into running back Jake Funk. And the other segment, we're going to dive into Ben Skoronik, the wide receiver that the Rams drafted both guys in the seventh round. And while we've got you, make sure to come connect with us on Twitter for all the coverage you need on the Los Angeles Rams. You can find me at QB's MEP and you can find the page at LockedOnRams. Hey, Rams fans, listen up. Nugenix, the number one selling free testosterone booster at GNC, is offering a complimentary bottle to all football fans in America. To get your complimentary bottle of Nugenics Total T, text DRAFT to 231231. This unique man-boosting formula is powered by Testafin, which helps boost free testosterone and total testosterone levels and increase energy and lean muscle mass. Plus, if you text now, they'll include a bottle of Nugenics Thermo, their most powerful fat incinerator ever with key ingredients to help you get back in shape absolutely free. Text DRAFT to 231-231. That's DRAFT to two three one two three one. Message and data rates may apply. Baseball season is in full swing and you can track all the action at BetOnline. Get all the latest news, odds, and info for all your sporting needs, including MLB, NBA, NHL, and all your UFC and MMA action. Before the next pitch, head over to BetOnline on your laptop or mobile device and check out all of the great sporting news, sign-up bonuses, and contest information. Don't sit on the sidelines anymore as this is your chance to get into the game as teams prep for their runs to the playoffs. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts. That's BetOnline.ag. Welcome back to the second segment of this Monday episode of the Locked on Rams podcast. I appreciate you guys for making it to this segment. And now we're going to continue with our in-depth scouting report series for the Rams draft class. We've covered every pick from the second round all the way up to the 5th round and now we're going to dive into the final 3 names. We're going to get through 2 of the 3 on today's podcast and in this segment we're going to talk about 7th rounder number 233 overall Jake Funk, the running back out of Maryland. And this one was a little bit difficult for me to actually watch because it's hard to find any of his tapes online or through the people that I have to provide me with tapes, which is unfortunate. But when you look at the numbers in terms of his collegiate career, I think it makes a lot more sense why it was so hard to find because he only had 23 receptions over five years in college, 134 yards receiving. I mean, we've seen running backs do that in one game. If you look at the rushing attempts, only 135 rushing attempts in his entire collegiate career. That's 968 rushing yards, 10 touchdowns. So quite a few scores, but not much production at all. Over the course of five years in Maryland. And, you know, when you talk about his injury history, I think it makes a lot more sense because this is a guy who has two torn ACLs. Now, I'm not 100% certain if it was the same ACL or if they were in either knee. I think they might actually have been in the same ACL, which is obviously a huge concern. And, you know, it probably is going to limit his lifespan in terms of being an NFL running back. That's just so hard to come back from. We've obviously seen what knee issues can do to running backs. Hint, hint, Todd Gurley. The guy's 26 years old. He can't even find a job anymore. That's pretty crazy to think. Only a year and a half, two years after that huge money extension that the Rams gave him. So clearly is going to be an issue moving forward. But luckily for the Rams, they don't have to rely on Funk as a guy who's maybe never even going to touch the ball, to be quite honest with you. They have Cam Akers, who's a superstar. Daryl Henderson, who... Could probably start for a lot of NFL teams. That guy is very, very good. And then some of the other names on the roster, Raymond Calais, Xavier Jones, who they appear to be very high on. Both guys, I believe, were undrafted. If not, Calais might have been a late day three pick. So a lot of depth at running back. The Rams don't need Funk to come in and immediately start or you know touch the ball, really. I think he might just be a special teamer, maybe even a guy that just lasts on the practice squad for the time being. But one of the things that I really wanted to mention was his athletic profile, this Webb is insane, especially for a guy who has went through two torn ACLs. The fact that he can still keep up this level of athleticism to me is honestly mind blowing. You look at some of the numbers: ten yard split of one point five seconds, ninety first percentile among all running backs. You look at the forty yard dash, four four nine. That's seventy first percentile. Vertical jump, thirty eight inches. That's eighty sixth percentile. Broad jump, one hundred and twenty two inches, seventy six percentile. And the two numbers that are maybe the most impressive, three cone, 6.71 seconds, 96 percentile and 20 yard shuttle, 4.12 seconds, 82nd percentile. And again, this is a guy with two torn ACLs. He was moving like this just a few weeks ago or a few months ago at his pro day or wherever he measured all these numbers in. That is super, super intriguing. And that is honestly just mind blowing. The fact that Somebody can have so much reconstructive knee surgery, potentially twice on the same ACL, the same knee, and still put up all world legitimate numbers among running backs. That's pretty crazy. And it honestly shows when you go watch his tape. Now, like I mentioned to preface this, didn't get my hands on a lot of his tape, which is unfortunate because I would have loved to have seen, you know, a lot of how he did over the course of his collegiate career. But again, didn't have many touches, didn't have many opportunities. So, The opportunity to actually view what he did was very limited. But when you watch his tape, he reminds me a lot of Rex Burkhead, who has had a nice long career in the NFL, played for, I want to say, the Cincinnati Bengals, currently on the New England Patriots. He might be a free agent, but I'm quite certain he's still on the Patriots. And they remind me of each other. You know, I think Funk has pretty decent hands, relatively natural. He can come out of the backfield, catch some passes. He can contribute in that regard I seen him throw some pretty good blocks too. I mean, the guy knows how to eat up space in the cushion between linebackers that are blitzing, and he can really barrel down with his legs and get ready for and brace for contact and be physical when it comes to his blocking. I think he does a pretty good job there. In terms of the running ability, obviously this is important. He's a running back. He's got some pretty good vision. I like his vision. You know, he does a good job of being patient at the line of scrimmage and using his Eyes to actually scan his offensive linemen and read his keys, read his holes. And he does a very good job of allowing his feet to sort of work in unison with his eyes because he's buying himself some time behind the line of scrimmage with things like jump cuts and just hesitation style of moves to allow the defensive line to work in the direction that they go, which allows him to eventually hit that hole that he's. Waiting to open. So I really like that ability of his. I think he's got relatively good explosion bursting through the hole. I think he does a good job there. Pretty good in open space. You know, he can make the occasional guy miss. He's got some strength. Doesn't really have any one elite part to his game, which is probably why he was a seventh round pick. But I do think that he can contribute. Now, I wouldn't necessarily expect for him to touch the ball on offense. I wouldn't even expect for him to probably be active on game days. I think. This is the kind of guy that you want to stash maybe for a year on your practice squad. Have some of the other guys that you have on the roster right now, eat a lot of the carries. You're obviously going to give the ball to cam Akers and Daryl Henderson, you know, 95% of the time, whatever's left over, maybe someone else like Xavier Jones might get those touches. And you have other guys like Xavier Jones and Calais, who we mentioned that are capable of playing special teams. So you don't need funk to immediately step in and play a prominent role in any regard of the team. Now, you know, does give him another year to get healthy, get those knees up and right, build that strength in his knees back, give him a year to get accustomed to the speed of the game, the game plans, obviously the scheme, all that good stuff. And in my opinion, that is probably the route you want to go. Now, Sean McVay and general manager Les Snead did talk about how Funk does have some special teams capabilities as well. I didn't get to see those snaps, unfortunately, and I probably wouldn't have wanted to watch them anyways. But, you know, you look at some of the numbers, 13 kicker returns over the course of his career, 237 yards, and he also had one punt return for zero yards. And not only that, but I think they're also speaking about the ability to run down on coverage units, on kickoffs, on punts, things like that, and go make tackles on special teams. So clearly that was the theme of the Rams' seventh round picks, was go find guys that can contribute on special teams because last year their special teams took a big step back. And that is another reason why the Rams also picked wide receiver from Notre Dame, Ben Skoranek. And we are going to break down his game in depth in the next segment. So make sure to come back for that. And while we've got you, make sure to come back all this week. We're going to talk to several people and have some very interesting guests on this week. So I don't want you guys to miss that here at the Locked on Rams podcast. The fitness industry is incredibly confusing and oversaturated with BS. I'd like to think that my word holds a lot of weight as I've lost 155 pounds over the last two and a half years. With that being the case, I've been looking for the best protein bar on the market and I finally found one called the Built Bar and I promise you guys, this bar is unmatched and cannot be competed with on the market. I've tried everything you can imagine. None of them have as many flavors as the Built Bar has and the texture is honestly out of this world. Obviously, not only that, but they're super delicious. They have nine different flavors. You can package the box however you please. The bars are also healthy. They're low in calories, they're low in sugar. They have 19 grams of protein per bar they're high in fiber and they even work for you if you are on a keto diet. You'll even get a free cooler with your purchase while the supplies last. All you have to do is just go to BiltBar.com and use the promo code lock15 and you'll get 15% off your next order. Use the promo code lock15 for 15% off at BiltBar.com. Today on the Locked On Today podcast, how should NFL teams handle players who do not want to get vaccinated? Get more of the sports news you need in less time with the Locked On Today podcast. Follow the Locked On Today podcast on the Odyssey app or wherever you get podcasts. Welcome back to the final segment of this Monday episode of the Locked On Rams podcast. I am your host, Sosa Kermenges, and I appreciate you guys for making it this far into the episode. We're going to wrap things up talking about the second to last pick, the pen ultimate. Yeah, I just learned that word. I like that. I got to slip it in every now and again. Pick that the Rams had in this draft class. Ben Skoronik, the wide receiver from Notre Dame. And by the way, I'm going to call him Ben for the rest of this episode. That last name is kind of easy, to be honest. I mean, it looks a lot more difficult than it reads, but it takes a lot out of you. So we'll call him Ben from here on fourth. And, you know, his game was relatively pleasantly surprising to me and probably a shocker for a lot of people that the Rams double dipped at the wide receiver position, didn't draft a single offensive lineman. And they took two wide receivers and a running back. I feel like if I told you guys that prior to the draft, someone would tell me that they either want to slap me right across the face as hard as they possibly can, or that I would get a whole lot of DMs calling me a moron and an idiot. And probably deservedly so, because I feel like I couldn't even sell that to you if I tried. Two wide receivers and a running back on a team that already has four established, really good wide receivers and two running backs that they invested a lot into a second round pick in acres and a third round pick and technically two third round picks because they traded up to go get Daryl Henderson in his draft, which I believe was in 2019. So man, that seems far-fetched, kind of seems insane. Seems like the Rams are not really investing in the positions that we as analysts and fans and everyone alike think that they should, which is kudos to them because, you know, if things work out, the Rams are going to look like geniuses And we're all going to look like morons and we're going to be biting our tongues. Whereas if things don't work out, it's going to be a whole lot of, well, I told you so's. And, you know, the Rams might miss one very crucial and valuable year out of their Super Bowl window, you know, simply because they misevaluated their roster and the draft. So that's something we could talk about down the line. But it does bring us back to our point of the drafting of a second wide receiver in Ben in this draft class, which is kind of surprising. But again, like I said, his tape was pleasantly surprising. He's not a guy who's going to really ever separate. I mean, he's big. I want to say he's like 6'2". I'm not really sure how he measured in. Maybe 6'2", 6'3", 6'1.5", something along those lines. And you know, it's very visible in terms of the way he plays. He was at the senior bowl. He could not separate to save his life. I mean, there were maybe three or four reps where he was going against off coverage. And, you know, he would have like 10 yards of space to separate against a corner in one-on-one and those were the few and far between reps that he actually caught balls and had some you know separation between himself and the defender but when they were up and press coverage in his face or lined up tight I mean the guy could not buy any separation whatsoever and again it makes sense he's big his hips his fluidity his agility his ability to sink his hips and break in and out of routes It's just not there and it's never going to be there just because of his size and the apparent lack of athleticism. And that's the kind of stuff that's going to hinder him probably from ever being a very good wide receiver. But if you're looking at a guy that has good size, pretty good physicality, you know, he's got very intriguing ways to come off of the line of scrimmage. He's a smart player. He's got the IQ to be able to sit down in between zones. You see it on the film. He makes some contested catches. He's got pretty good contested catch ability feel like his hands were okay maybe not great but okay the route running was pretty decent now it's going to be limited in terms of what he can do at the next level because of the inability to you know be explosive in and out of those breaks he's not going to be running whip routes and doing all these double moves and that kind of stuff because i mean corners are just going to latch onto his hip and stay there now talking about what he can run i mean a lot of end zone fades that kind of stuff running vertical simple in breaking routes or outbreaking routes, screens, that kind of stuff, you know, that all fits into his arsenal. You look at some of the numbers from PFF last season, 29 receptions on 44 targets at Notre Dame, 438 yards receiving 181 yak. So not really a great yards after the catch weapon and makes sense. He's very limited athletically. The one area where I think he's best at is the contested catches. He brought in six of them last year, on nine attempts. So, obviously, a pretty good statistic there. And when you look at the percentage of contested targets that were caught, 66.7% for him. That's one of the highest marks that was on the Notre Dame football team last year. So, again, that's really where he wins. He's a big body, a guy who's going to attack the football. And he's got pretty good hands, so you can bring those passes in every now and again. You can never really bring in every contested target, but more often than not, and according to the numbers, even on a very small sample size, he's capable of doing that. Also, general manager Les Knee talked about how Skoronic is going to be one of these special teams guys that they drafted. He's going to be able to contribute in that regard. Not really sure what he's going to do on special teams, probably on kickoffs, maybe punt returns, kick returns, all that stuff. He's got the size. He's got the physicality to do that very solid blocker. Now, you know, he can kind of get in over his pads and lose his leverage sometimes and not really finish blocks where he has the power to do it, just not the technique down, but clearly a very willing blocker. And he was very capable of doing that at Notre Dame. And again, Snead and McVay talked about his capability to block and the fact that he might be used kind of different as a H-back or a tight end. H-back is just sort of a tight end that's kind of in between that tight end fullback style of role and do that kind of stuff as a lead blocker, sort of like a Cooper cup, but bigger and maybe a little bit more physical, way less athletic in my opinion. But you know, that's the kind of stuff that he can do in the NFL, probably never really going to be relied on as a wide receiver. And to be honest, that's a good thing because well, the receiver depth chart is insanely deep. They have five established receivers now with Atwell joining the fray. And Skoranek is just not going to crack that. Maybe in three years down the line, he might be able to contribute in some way. But I just wouldn't expect him to really do much in terms of the offense. Probably not even going to be active on game days, to be quite honest with you. But this is an interesting pick. I probably would have went with a different direction. You know, there were some intriguing talents left at this spot, guys. like, For example, Ardarius Washington, the safety out of TCU, who a lot of people thought was a second, maybe third round type of talent. And he went undrafted, but... You know the Rams wanted to address the special teams needs in round seven of the draft, and that's exactly what they did here with the picks of Funk and Skoronic. And I think you know they came away with a decent class. I'm not going to harp over their seventh round picks. I mean, there's no use in doing that. The ability to actually hit these guys and find legitimate contributors is not easy. The chances are very, very low. And the Rams identified Skoronic as a guy that they wanted. And hats off to them for doing it because, you know, this guy is going to have some sort of a role with the team at some point. He's an okay player. You know, he actually can do a few things as a receiver. Intrigued to see what he can contribute as a special teamer because that's probably where he's going to make his hay in the NFL. And at the end of the day, simply just a seventh round pick. It's not that big of a deal. The route running is okay. The contested catch ability is good. Physicality is good. The hands are all right. And that's really what he is as a prospect. The special teams capabilities, if you can do that at a somewhat high level, there's a good chance that the Rams can bounce back this season as a special teams unit, turn it around from last season, which was arguably their worst in maybe a decade, to be quite honest with you. And if they can do that, they're going to be a much more complete team, one that could go even farther because at the end of the day, the special teams was a big unit on the team in 2018 when they were able to go to the Super Bowl. Just look back to that NFC championship game against the New Orleans Saints where Greg Zerline. Banks threw two field goals, one to send the game to overtime and one to win the game. So clearly an important part of the team, an important part of the success of a team. And that is what the Rams really wanted to target with these seventh round picks. That is all we got for you guys on this episode of the Locked on Rams podcast. As always, I appreciate you guys for listening to another episode here. We're going to dive into more tape throughout the next few days looking at some undrafted free agents that are intriguing to me I'm going to try to find some Concordia St. Paul tape so we can break down the final draft pick from the Rams Chris Garrett I can't promise you guys I'll be able to find any but hopefully I can and we are going to have some interesting guests throughout the rest of the week so please make sure to come back to us here at the On Rams podcast just a reminder you can come connect with us on Twitter at QB's MEP at On Rams and please subscribe or follow to get our latest episodes content breaking news and a whole lot more